Welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, alongside Chris Trevino. What's up, Chris? Sir. Doing okay? You want a yeah. fist bump there? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what. I'm sorry. I, I messed that up. That's okay. No problem. Uh, we got Shotgun Spratling uh, in the other room, but he's in studio. Shotgun, how you doing, man? Yeah, I just get relegated to this other room like we're in the <laughs> middle of a pandemic or something. Yes. Um, this, I see what happens when I leave leave the state. We, we set this up before during the pandemic. We were kind of spacing out. So Shotgun was in another room. Just going to be hard to get three people at this table. So, you know, and I didn't have nice to. Nice and cozy yeah. over there. And then speaking of, there's Nicole Sheeran. Did a great job. She's doing her <laughs> master's degree at USC. Been helping us out on the site for the past couple of months, uh, helping produce the show. Welcome in. Nicole, how are you? Good. Great. Happy to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Great to great have everyone here. And thanks for everyone for tuning in uh, to Tunnel Vision. We're going to be able to take. Uh, talk about our USC topics for USC spring football. There was a recruiting, uh, you know, a situation that happened over the weekend. We're going to talk about a little bit uh, from Friday. Uh, so questions, comments, concerns. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, put your comments up there and you put a little question in there and we can uh, grab those questions and put them up on the screen and answer. We also are taking live calls today for the first time in a while. So 5124-TUNNEL if you want to get in there and uh, try to keep them short. If you recall, get to the point. Give us what your question is, and we'll do our best to answer that. I know we got a couple calls in the queue already, so we'll get to those in a, a little bit after we go through some of the various topics. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, you definitely should be. Sign up for a dollar. It's great. A lot of content going up with spring football. All of us are out there at practice. Photos, videos, interviews, analysis, all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, I've had a bunch of instant analysis videos people seem to, to like. Nicole's been doing a good job of that. And me and Shadi got to do one. For the first time in a while this week, but lots of stuff up on uscfootball.com, so make sure uh, you go there. But maybe we should start with uh, the Josh Connerly news, because on Friday, he was live on CBS uh, HQ, the, the live stream, uh, with Brandon Huffman. Uh, so he's the five-star offensive tackle from Seattle, and uh, Brandon Huffman, who knows his recruitment really well, put a, a crystal ball in, which is a prediction for USC a few weeks back, and it got a lot of attention. Everything we had heard, it seemed like USC was going to get this 2000 class of 2022 offensive tackle. So he was playing basketball. He didn't get to take official visits. So he delayed his recruitment um, a couple months and was going to announce uh, on April 8th. And he did. And at the last minute, Brandon like took his confidence level of his crystal ball from like a five to a three, bumped it down a little. And he started to get word like, could Oregon come in here? And put some NIL deal or something together and, and uh, win away uh, Josh Connerly. And new head coach uh, Dan Lanning, they've got a great recruiting staff there. Uh, they were able to do that. So it was a little bit of shocker for USC fans. Um, Chris, get your thoughts on the Josh Connerly uh, decision there. Yeah, I mean, number one, I'm upset because I had a lot of great 
memes and oh. social media content that I just have to set fire to. I have to burn it. It's 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 nowhere to be found anymore. It'll never see the light of day. It's going to stay in the drafts. But on the bigger picture of things, yes, I mean, a lot of upset USC fans ruined their Friday Shotgun's birthday, you know, it, it ended up being not a good birthday for USC fans in, in that relation. But yeah, I mean, you know, Connerly had the last official visit to USC. You feel pretty good about that. A lot of sources felt really good about that after he had left. And by all indication, it was the Trojans were the team to beat after that. And then, you know, he takes a last minute sort of secret, not so secret, unofficial visit to Oregon, you know, the weekend before this past weekend or two weekends ago, um, you know, his dad sort of po- dropped little hints on his uh, social media, yeah. you know, Instagram and all the pep- a lot of people were freaking out like he's on a plane. Where is he going? You know, people getting on the flight trackers, one of those kind of deals. So They're like he's a PF Jangs. Like, does yeah. that mean he's in Oregon or with like crazy stuff? That's going to be a, a long running meme on the P <laughs> for a long time. The PF Changs in uh, Otson. Is that, is that well, that's no, Eugene. Eugene, the, sorry. Whatever. I've never been to Oregon. <laughs> I hear it's lovely this time of year. Uh, but, you know, make that trip. You never want to, in, in a recruitment like this, anytime you can sneak in a last visit or anything, you know, it's either sort of a Hail Mary or it's either like pulling off the move, pulling off the flip at the last second. So obviously it went Oregon's way. You know, they were able to pull out that flip. Uh, Dan Lanning and Adrian Clem, who's, you know, proven to be a really, really good recruiter at the O-line position. You know, we had heard, you know, NIL, they were making a push there in that in that space. And, you know, obviously Nike is, you know, can't get any much better than, you know, NIL deals when it comes to Nike or whatever. But I'm sure you'll know more about that as it comes out once he signs officially to Oregon. But, you know, they, they came in, made the play, made a strong strong case for him and ended up pulling that uh that flip off you know sources felt really good about usc you know up until that you know kind of a couple hours or not hours but you know kind of minutes before or moments before you kind of got the sense oh this is where it's going to happen so yeah going to the ducks so it was kind of one of those you know crazy recruitments not many people knew what was going on until the last minute so you know the crystal balls. You know we ate we ate those picks. You know I still have my crystal ball in there. I wasn't going to change it. Um, change so last minute change or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean you hate to kind of change it like that at the last second, but you just had to eat it at that point. But yeah, I mean tough L for USC to to take, and it you know USC fans are used to taking a lot of L's, uh, right. but not recently. You know no, under Lincoln like, Riley. This so is like the first Riley L. It's the first Riley L in a while, but they'll get over it quick. Because yeah. they still, because they can still go to sleep knowing that Lincoln Riley is their head coach. Yes, that'll get that'll get that'll get them through a lot of things um, over the over the next couple of years or whatever. But yeah, yeah just a, a tough L recruiting. But you know, USC is going to hit that portal hard. So twenty twenty two class is done. Going to hit these this transfer portal hard for those you know double digit spots they need to fill. Offensive line is going to be a major. They're going to be aggressive there. So you know, lose out in a five star. It's tough, but. I, th- I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Any thoughts, Chaka? Anytime someone makes that last-minute visit, that last-minute uh, trip, when it's out of state, out of area, when you get on a plane last minute, 
that's when you really should be concerned, the team that is leading the recruitment, and that was USC. Uh, Josh Connolly goes and you know he takes that visit and you know he said he was really torn down to the last minutes you know trying to figure out the decision the last week you know figuring out where he wanted to be ultimately he chooses Oregon and once again fifth straight recruiting cycle that USC does not get their top offensive line target and that's the biggest thing out of this if it was a different position you would feel bad uh, if you're a USC fan that you didn't pick somebody up and you lost a recruiting battle with Oregon but it's even made worse because offensive line has been such a struggle for them recruiting now they're going to go in the portal they're going to look for guys but Josh Connerly is a guy that was you know a, a, that could come in and develop over the next year or so and become you know that that future left tackle that stalwart that you're looking for uh, and, and grow around the rest of the, the recruits that Lincoln Riley is bringing in. So big loss for USC there. They've got to bounce back from that and try to you know go to the 2023 class. That was the last one in the 2022 class they were really recruiting. So now it's back to the transfer portal and really working on that 2023 class. Yeah. Uh, we did have a question too, kind of along the lines with that, if you want to throw it up, Nicole. Um, and if you want to read it for us, we, that'd be great. Sure. Okay. So Ganja Gorilla says, can we beat Oregon in offensive line recruiting in the near future? Yeah, I know. so this was, uh, you know, like Chris said, you take the L on this one, but also like Chris said, it's Lincoln Riley, the head coach. I mean, he's, I think he's six for seven now on five-star, you know, five-star players. Uh, he's got a pretty good track record for doing that. And um, yeah, I think, you know, this is one of those things, a Pacific Northwest kid, and he stayed up a little bit closer to home. Uh, I think he's going to do fine uh, recruiting. Like Shotgun said, you've, you've struggled to land those top offensive line recruits uh, on the West Coast. In years to come, I mean, the years past, but I think in the years to come, it's going to be, it's not like I think Oregon's going to continue to have that success, especially with Southern California kids. But any thoughts, Ganja Gorilla? I mean, I think the biggest thing is you, Oregon went out and put together a staff of recruiters. It'll be interesting to see how they develop on the field as on-field coaches. But Adrian Clem, the offensive line coach, you know, a former show cause, but has always been known for being a really tough recruiter. So that's going to be an area where USC is going to have to find a way to, to get over the hump. You know, when you go in and there's a kid from Utah or a kid from Nevada that's not from Southern California, USC should have the advantage there going forward on offensive linemen. But because the best offensive linemen, there's only usually a handful that are really that topping in the in the West as an uh, entire region. So you know you're gonna have to go outside Southern California and find and fight for some of those kids with Oregon, and it's gonna be a big battle for USC. They got to find a way to get over the hump uh, to to be able to to take down Oregon when it comes to offensive line recruiting in particular because the Ducks have been so successful there in recent years. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it also helps that it's not crystal ball there anymore you know an offensive line coach a guy who's known for offensive line play and you know churning out those big uh big uh you know stalwart offensive linemen so that that kind of helps you know it's it's a defensive coach now kind of leading the way and i think what will help is just getting the results on the field yes you know you win eight games this year win nine games ten games whatever you make it to the Pac-12 championship that helps sell anything. So yeah. I think I think it'll help once, you know, USC can get a product on the field. You can see this offense. You can see, you know, Henson, what he does with this group this year. You know, an experienced group, guys that have talent, you know, see how he develops guys this year. I think, you know, getting that on film and kind of putting that out there is just another way to recruit. And obviously they don't have that yet because Lincoln and this team have not played a game yet. So once that happens, you know, I think it'll be a little bit easier to to recruit some of those offensive linemen. Yeah, and then uh, recruiting uh, has changed a lot in the past just couple of seasons. Uh, the transfer portal is obviously a big deal. 
the you know passing the NCAA bylaw that said you could you know could transfer once without sitting out a year that's completely changed the game made free agency a big part of recruiting but NIL is also the name image and likeness stuff is also a big part of it you're hearing about major collectives at universities where they're pooling money together from boosters and putting packages together where the and they, they, there's no only a few NIL rules from the NCAA because they just kind of punted on it one of them is you're not supposed to you know pay a recruit to come to a certain school but what? you know, yeah, but there's ways around it, uh, and it's just we're it's a little bit of a wild wild west out there right now. And sort of on Saturday, so this is within you know 12 hours or whatever of the announcement from, or maybe like whatever 24 hours of uh, of Josh Connerly's announcement. Uh, Lincoln Riley did his Zoom after practice on Saturday, and got to uh, and you wrote a story, Chris. You can go check it out on USAFootball.com about his thoughts. He had some pretty strong thoughts about name image and likeness if you want to kind of give uh, everyone an update yeah i mean he had some you know pretty strong words about nil and he was kind of asked you know how has nil sort of he's been at oklahoma and obviously been at usc to two blue blood programs so how, how has he seen nil kind of uh affect recruiting and he says well it's completely changed it you know it's, it doesn't even resemble uh what they used to do before nil like how recruiting worked and you know he he, he stressed that he is for it. You know, he, he thinks there's a lot of positives. He's he's more than okay with, you know, guys being able to, you know, make money off their name, image, and likeness. But he his main point was that NIL and recruiting need to be separate. NIL should be more focused, obviously, on the guys that are there now, you know, being able to take advantage of those opportunities as a current player. And now, it, obviously, it's become more so with, or it's being used more so to, to get, you know, high school students to look a certain way towards your school. You know, obviously, there's that athletic story that came out uh, two months ago about the 2023 junior player uh, that was unnamed. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people have put it together. Yeah. Um, sort of that was going to get a deal worth up to $8 million, That would pay them upwards of $8 million, I believe, by the time they were a junior in college. And this is a junior in high school right now that, that yeah. got this deal. So... You know that's sort of the the, the way NIL is being used to to lure you know these prospects into their 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 schools. You know, get them to come, get them to stop by, get them to commit, get them to sign. So Lincoln is against that. You know, he wants that that kind of separation. Um, that's kind of what his main point was um, on Saturday. All right. Uh, yeah, NIL is here to stay. It's going to be part of the recruiting process, no matter what. Uh, how much and how is that going to be? Uh, if there's new bylaws that are going to be passed or, you know, the NCAA has asked Congress to step in. Uh, there's a lot of positives that can come from this. But uh, if you're going to start throwing around $8 million for recruits, then, you know, obviously that's changing the game quite a bit. Uh, very, very different. So we'll see. We'll follow along uh, with all that. Um, practice this week was week three of USC Spring Football. So they had Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday again. We get to watch Tuesday and Thursday, part of it. Then interview offensive players on Tuesday and defensive players on Thursday. And then Saturday, we don't get to watch, but we get to hear from Lincoln Riley. This week, we heard from Lincoln Riley on Thursday also because he was talking to somebody or whatever. He was busy after Tuesday's practice. But uh, there was talk of a scrimmage. So a scrimmage uh, session uh, looked like it was more uh, probably beneficial for some of the skill position players, talking to some of them. Uh, you kind of turn things up a little bit more when you're in a scrimmage. Uh, the offensive lineman that I talked to, it wasn't really the same thing. 
Uh, I mean, they're usually in these live periods anyway when you're you're blocking and tackling, you know, going against offensive defensive linemen. Uh, but you know, you get to put it all together and kind of do it in uh, where the coaches are off the field and you're like you're calling plays and let them kind of run things. Did anything? Uh, we can start with you, Shotgun. From people you talk to, anything kind of stand out to you? We can't get to watch it, but you get to talk to people and kind of feel for you know what it was like, physicality and all that. I mean, chatting with some of the offensive linemen, the inconsistency, and I think John, Josh Henson said that, you know, it's kind of up and down where one play, they looked really good. The next play, not so much. Someone's not getting their assignment. So that's going to be a question mark going forward um, and, you know, figuring out what that offensive line can become and where does Bobby Haskins fit in? You know, it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to do too much this season, this spring. So when they get him in, in the mix after he's recovered from his foot surgery that he had, how does the, he play into the grouping that they have right now? Because it's been a pretty consistent starting five, it sounds like. Thoughts, Chris? On what he said or the whole scrimmage? The whole the scrimmage <laughs> or whatever, what he said, too. You just, whatever throw me in you, there. Like. I, you just throw me in there. I don't know where to go. I just Do I look this way? I, don't, I still don't even know what camera I'm supposed to look so at. You're look whatever at the one your on heart the, desires, Chris. Yeah, the two in the right there. We got new cameras set up. It's, should... it's, just, a, it's just a lot on me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lincoln kind of let slip that Haskins had, in fact, had surgery uh, on his Saturday call. And, you know, that's something we were hearing before camp started, not necessarily the surgery, but that the the foot injury that he had was significant and obviously required surgery and do not probably expect him to be at any, to do a lot in spring camp. And, you know, that's, that's not a, that's not right off the bat, you know, uh, a huge loss just because he is a veteran, but you do obviously want that chemistry to be worked out with that offensive line. Um, Henson said earlier that he, he, he will be competing for that left tackle spot. So, you know, I expect it to be sort of a Ford-Haskins uh, battle uh, at that spot. And in terms of the overall impressions from the scrimmage, that being our interviews, uh, it, seem, it seemed like the the offense kind of came out sluggish. You know, some people kind of said that. Jude Wolfman mentioned that. Uh, Travis Dye had mentioned that. And sort of Lincoln had called them out on it. And yeah. sort of, you know, they came out with this low energy. And especially, you know, this is Lincoln's offense. He doesn't want it to go out there looking like, low energy crap at times. So he's got to, you know, this is my, this is my offense. Yeah. You know, this, I, I've won Heisman winners with this offense. You got you to gotta, you gotta put some behind it. So Travis Dye mentioned that they sort of regrouped after that. And it was kind of a good sign that this, this team was able to kind of come together and re recognize that, hey, we're not getting it done right now. Let's get that energy back up. And they kind of rolled on from there. So, and Caleb Williams had kind of mentioned some ups and downs, ups and downs uh, with that first scrimmage. You know, there were some turnovers. What those turnovers were, I, I don't know. We don't know, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, Caleb, uh, according to Drew Wolf, had a really nice run. Yeah. About like a 40-yard run. Not bad. Uh, based on some of the clips I've seen or photos, it seems like he had a touchdown run this oh, on Saturday's practice. So, okay. you know, getting it done with his legs. Like that. Uh, Malcolm Epps apparently caught a touchdown pass in the red zone. It was funny, uh, Miller Moss. There's, a, you know, I think the players, and I know there's a lot of USC fans that are really upset at the Clay Helton era. Don't like it. They want the players to come out and say, "Oh my God, everything was terrible before, and now it's great." And I think for the most part, the players have tried to keep it chill. You know, they're like they're not going to go overboard and just and kind of trash what goes on before. But every yeah. once in a while, you kind of get a comment that's like, "Huh?" And like Miller Moss said, uh, uh, you know, during his interview that they, you know were practicing red zone stuff and they, you know, they're much more successful in the red zone. USC obviously had red zone problems the past couple of years. And what was the comment? It was like, he said, uh, we actually practiced it or he something. He was asked about 
sort of the red zone issues obviously the team had and sort of what that what red zone preparation or practice looks like under Lick and Riley. And he kind of mentioned that on Tuesday, the, the offense had dominated, dominated the uh, red zone portion of practice, which is a good sign, yeah. obviously for a team that was really bad at it last year. And he then he sort of like laughed after that, like we actually practice red zone now. So obviously, you know, we put that on Twitter and kind of caused it a stir, if I may say. Yes. And, you know, we kind of laughed about that and kind of, you know, they do a bunch of different things to to prep red zone. And we kind of talked about it on the podcast, like, if that's your philosophy to not practice red zone, then that's your philosophy. But right. if it doesn't work, then... Then your philosophy is going to be questioned. Then your philosophy is going to be questioned. So <laughs> the Lincoln Riley philosophy is practice red zone. So that's sort of what... Uh, that's been a portion of camp yeah. uh, so far. Um, wanted to give an update on the gold-plated uh, tracker, what we've been doing. So, you know, everyone gets the helmet, but they don't get the logo. Uh, so you have to earn the logo. Uh, I think you saw Brendan Rice this week. Brendan Rice came out skipping, ready to go to practice with his uh, with his gold-plated helmet. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Terrell Bynum was... Last week, all these weeks been blend together. They're kind of blend together, yeah. Um, I think so Rajon Davis was Rajon Davis. One. Yeah, he another got the, he one. got the plate. You know, he showed off his his shirt that they oh. get as well. Uh, Matt Leinhart gave him uh, his his uh, his decal, which is obviously kind of cool because they're both modern day monarchs. Yes, uh, Bruce Rollinson, the uh, modern day head coach, he was at that practice too. So that was kind of a cool moment for him. They had 11 modern day alum uh, on the field. I got a picture sent to me. So, like, seven current players, uh, Leinert, um, who was there? Was oh, I, there was another. Four, there was, yeah, like, there was, yeah, Viani, I think, Tom Ivao, and uh, there was a couple of staffers or whatever that were, like, so a whole bunch of modern day. And I like how Miller Moss snuck into that photo. He was, yeah, he, he transferred <laughs> there. He was there for like two weeks or something. And didn't get the. Play. Shotgun, you took a bunch of photos uh, when you were out there at practice. Spot any gold plates, or was there any updates that you saw? I mean, Chris and I spotted uh, Brendan Rice when he's coming out, but you know, it's, the unfortunate thing is with the padded helmets, you can't tell. And I know we've got people that have asked for a gold-plated tracker on on the P, and you know, it, it's unfortunate that we can't can't necessarily tell every single you know big boy that has it on because they have those padded helmets so those were the two the the guys that stood out uh, that we found out about this week and then also you know you Caleb Williams got his gold plate it looked like uh, you know on Saturday some of the pictures that were released and Chris spotted it um, that you know he did have his decal today or yesterday at the practice in some of the photos nice. shotgun you would appreciate how to go uh, CSI Peristyle. You got to do it. Yeah, you just got to look, click through the, comb uh, through, see what you can see. And it was interesting because they use in today's, or I don't know if the video was dropped this morning or whatever, but they use two different shots of Caleb: one without the 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 plate, and then the one with the plate. So, oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm I'm sure that's going to be something I post on Tuesday when he comes out. I'll see if he shows it off, and we'll have to see if both quarterbacks got plated. Yeah, see if Miller Moss. He's been working really hard too. I think there's a lot of praise. Uh, for him, one of the players you already mentioned that we that got gold plated has got a lot of praise is linebacker Rajon Davis, and one of the more talked about players, I guess, from uh, the offseason. People even asking last year, why isn't he playing? You know, a, a highly rated, uh, you know, star from modern day, four star linebacker. People want to know, um, you know, what's going on with him, and it was just sort of one of those things. It's a question that gets asked a lot because people want to know. And I think 
three different people. Like Lincoln Riley talked about him this week. I think Alex Grinch talked about him. Um, coach Brian, Odom. Brian Odom, the the linebacker inside linebackers coach, talked about him. A lot of praise uh, for Rajon Davis. I don't, any, like, you did a story on him, right? Or did yeah, yeah. I was um, in that scrum, kind of talking to him with a bunch of other people, and you know, he kind of answered that question as to why he never got on the field last year, not in a consistent manner, because obviously USC's defense lacks some athleticism, lacks some speed, and those are kind of his calling cards to his game. Yes, and a guy who's super versatile and can play, you know, maybe a safety at times. And at modern day, he even played some safety, and he even played lined up at like cornerback sometimes at wide receivers that's kind of the athleticism that he has so it was also it was like we need kind of a player like this we have a player like this why isn't he on the field and he kind of talked about how it was his knowledge of the playbook he didn't have it down um as much as he should have and also his weight you know he struggled to kind of put on weight in his freshman season you know that's not a surprising thing plenty of freshmen struggle to put on weight um and he, he and those kind of things he's has addressed this season or this off season, he's put up on about 13 pounds. I believe he said he's at 220 right now. That's where Coach Odom wanted him to be at this point. He's he's hoping for 225 uh, by the season by the time the season rolls around. So he kind of talked about how gaining weight for him has just been eating every three hours. Uh, they wow. told him to eat everything that he can. Um, eats two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches before bed uh, and a before protein bed. shake. Yeah, wow. when he gets up, drinks Powerade, got to stay hydrated. So it's been, you know, a food grind for him, which you would love because, you know, your food analogies, I'm sure yeah. you're trying to think of one right now. Yeah. You're going to save that <laughs> save that in the tank for something. Um, and sort of, obviously, he's been getting down the playbook. You know, that's a, he says he's grown mentally in that aspect. And he's, you know, Odom kind of talked about in the first week, he had some maturing to do. And he kind of talked about how, you know, that's been a process for him. And it's been a good process. And Odom gave him a lot of praise for getting over that hump, and he's seen a lot more consistency out of him. And, you know, the big thing is he gives a lot of effort. Um, he goes hard every play, and that's something they're looking for, this defensive staff. And sometimes, Alex Green just pointed out, sometimes he goes the wrong way. But if you're going 110 the wrong way, you know, it's easier to fix you to go, oh, just just go this way yeah. instead of, you know, trying to get that effort out of you. So if you go 110, if you make a mistake, do it full speed. Yes. And he makes mistakes full speed. Obviously, cut that down to mistakes. You're going to see a lot more playing time. So, you know, that's a good problem to have sort of when you got a guy going that hard. Just got to give him the, the the playbook a little bit more. And he's been doing that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, every every single person that mentioned Rajon mentioned the word effort. You know, the, the effort that he's giving. And Rajon mentioned, Chris was in that scrum while I was talking to Shane Lee, and he mentioned Shane Lee being a big part of that. You know, when he came in and seeing him, and he has become kind of a role model for Rajon Davis behind him. Asked Lincoln Riley a little bit about that as well. And they said that, and Lincoln Riley said that Shane Lee's impact, he's incredibly important for this team because, or critically valuable, I believe is how he phrased it, because of what he brings as far as, you know, he's been in a, in a championship program. He knows what it takes, and he's showing the ropes to some of those other guys. And Brian Odom even talked about Shane Lee's passion and you know how much he loves football and the fact that they have to be like, dude, go home. You've been here long enough. You need to go home and rest your body up. Um, so you know, I, I think it's really interesting that Rajon's starting to come on, and a lot of people are pointing to Shane Lee as part of the impact of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I asked him about Shane Lee specifically, like what sort of impact he's had. He says, you know, when he got here, that's kind of when I had my, you know, awakening of like, I need to put on weight because obviously 
that guy gets I don't it done. look like him. Yeah. yeah, I don't look like him. I need to look like him. And he was kind of asked what's an example of, you know, how his like leadership has affected him. And he kind of said the first place is the weight room. That's where we all kind of as media noticed it when they would put out those videos or the pictures of how much, you know, a uh, former Alabama guy was putting up in the weight room. Yes. And uh, uh, Rajon said the first Big Lift Friday or a Big Squat Friday or Big Lift Friday, whatever it is, he said Shane was in there with five plates. And Rajon was like, uh, I need to step my game up. Yeah. Maybe I'll try four plates uh, this this week. So, so kind of seeing things like that is what kind of pushes those younger guys uh, to the next level and want to be not down here but up here, you know, where they are. So just an just invaluable uh uh, impact that you know number 53 has had so far yeah um, we want to go on one more player I want to mention because there was a position shift uh, and we've if you were a subscriber you got to read about it in the war room ahead of time and then uh, I think Lincoln Riley talked about it yesterday but Solomon Tuli Alapupu um, another guy very popular just because he was so highly rated uh, moving positions you're seeing him Stepping down now and uh, you know, on the defensive line. Uh, maybe Shotgun, you want to get some thoughts on that, and we'll get Chris to jump into. Yeah, so I got a chance to check out the the defensive line. That's what I, you know, that's a group that I really paid attention to in Thursday's practice. One of the Brandon Peely moving really well too. And you, you talked about Rajon Davis going 110 miles an hour, sometimes going in the wrong direction. Uh, Brandon Peely put it in an interesting way. He said Sean Nua. One of the things he tells them is, you know, production over is more important than you know just doing things right so he said if you make a mistake but you go and still make a play that's great now if you make a mistake and you don't make the play now that we got some issues but um it's just the strain that they're trying to get out of players and stuff and Solomon Tuliolapupu is a guy that has worked so hard to just be back out on the field so great to see him kind of getting in the mix and even if it is in a different position obviously you know what Alex Grinch has done with a smaller defensive lineman before everyone mentions Hercules Mataafa who is like 265 pounds as a nose tackle and still was an all-american I believe at Washington State because of his quickness and that's Solomon Tuliolapupu they they looked at him and said you know let's see if, if we can try him at this position and now a lot of players are moving around in different positions this one looks a little bit more permanent at least for now um, you know rather than just a day at practice or you know moving around like that like some of the DBs have talked about moving around a good bit so you know I think it's just it's great to see him out there and the fact that he has been practicing every day you know the fact that he's out there healthy that's that's huge yeah, big deal. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's something Shotgun, you and I saw a lot in last season's, you know, during the season, during practice. You know, we would stand over the when we were watching practice up top, you know, by the pool. We would have scout team defense right in front of us, right down there. We'd be able to see Solo playing kind of a defensive end spot because USC did not have a lot of depth on the defensive line. So, we don't have any scout bodies, so we need to put in like a linebacker and put him down there. So possibly, you know, Lincoln kind of saw that tape and they kind of looked at him and like, hey, let's let's put him out there because he was actually doing well. You know, yep. he would give those guys issues and he was not going easy on anyone. He was, you know, this is a guy who has missed being on the field for so long, you know, multiple foot surgeries, the ACL surgery. You know, he has just been dying to get on that field. So he was taking every rep kind of like it was his last out there. And he was a problem for some of these offensive tackles, violently a problem. And, you know, that's what you want in the trenches. You know, obviously he's not as big as some of the traditional offensive line or defensive linemen, but he is absolutely violent enough to play um, on that defensive line, on that edge. And, you know, he was kind of a good 
kind of a pass rusher a little bit. When he would pass rush in high school, he would get the job done. So I'm excited to see kind of how that looks, you know, in a more in the spring game. You know, that's something I'm definitely going to be looking at. You know, hopefully, hopefully he can get some reps out there. This would be his first spring game, I believe, sort of getting time in that capacity. So another storyline to look at and a storyline to look at throughout the entire season as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, I know we have a couple callers in the queue. We have a bunch of questions that you guys have put in the chat room, so we're trying to uh, tabulate those and put them up on the screen when we can and answer all the questions you guys have sent in. So we should probably jump into that. Uh, if you are calling in, please keep it brief. Get to your question. Tell us your name, where you're from. And if you're listening to the show somewhere else, turn that down so we don't have to hear it. But let's go first up to Joey. He has a transfer portal question. Joey. Uh, you're on the you're on the air tunnel vision. Uh, let us know where you're from and what your question is. I'm from San Diego, California. Thank thank you for taking my call. Sure. How's it going? What, what do you want to know? Um, so my question is that Lincoln Riley has made it clear that this USC roster is far from complete, and the team is going to look into the transfer portal for new recruits. However, I was wondering if USC gets a new transfer recruit, can a scholarship be used from the 2022 class because they have a few scholarships left over due to all the players transferring as well as not signing a full class? Or does a new transfer have to take up a scholarship from the 2023 class? Also, if a USC player decides to enter the portal after spring ball, will another scholarship be added to 2023? Although the because I'm wondering this because although the wave of new transfers are going to be nice, I feel like they need to get as many high school players as possible to be where they want as a football team. Cool. Thank you guys for taking my question, and I'm sorry I'm a little. It was a little long. No, no, that's good, Joey. We appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate that very much. Uh, so football is a headcount sport. So there's it's full scholarships only, and I think it runs from like the end of July, the end of July. So if somebody leaves you know spring football that's part of that year but it's going to roll over in the summer so once that summer i think it's when the summer semester starts um what if you count if you're counting then going into to fall camp you're going to count for the whole year and uh the ncaa did allow seven more scholarships initial scholarship rides these aren't there's the 85 limit which is your total scholarship number but the initial scholarship number is 25 per class like you were mentioned 2022 2023 um, USC didn't sign a whole lot of 2022s. There's a bunch they can roll over to 2023, have them count, you know, you, you count them forward or you're counting backwards towards those class. But you can also bring in seven more uh, because of the transfer portal. So you can replace transfers. USC's had a bunch of guys transfer out. So the, the overall number, I don't think is going to be the initial counter number. I don't think it's going to be an issue. It's just going to be hitting up to that 85. Right now, I think I, my my math at 77. There's going to be more guys gone. Uh, there's more. There's going to be more than eight people added, according to Lincoln Riley. So you're probably going to see a few more guys go to the transfer portal, maybe during the spring football, maybe probably when it's over. Uh, so those, you know, those 
it's all part of the same year, so it doesn't matter. And then, like I said, you can have the, they have a lot of scholarships available in initial, initial counters because the 2022 class was so small. But Chris, any thoughts on that? And we could shotgun slots too. You're the scholarship guy. Why, why do I have to follow you? <laughs> I don't have to. I don't, don't want to follow you. Okay. Shotgun, Shotty. you do it. Um, the, the initial counters is, is the, you know, the 25 normally that's the big thing, but those can also be shifted. So if you have an early enrollee, you can put them on the previous year. Uh, so USC shouldn't have an issue with that right there. Uh, the question will be who stays on the roster. And, you know, it feels like some of the guys that are on the roster that maybe those fringe guys and whether the staff wants them are guys that are basically trying out this spring. Let's see what you have during the spring. And, you know, if we decide we don't think you're a fit for us going forward, we'll honor your scholarship if you want to stay at USC and just, you know, not be on the football team. Uh, and that won't count towards USC's overall limit. There's a rule in the NCAA that allows that. And uh, you see that every time a new coach comes in in any sport uh, where they kind of see who's on the roster and say, I just don't think you're a great, great fit here. If you want to stay at school, sure. But, you know, if you want some more playing time, if you want a, a better opportunity, it's probably best that you look look elsewhere. So we'll see the players that are kind of those fringe guys that maybe didn't play a lot in the past, but maybe have some potential. And maybe the coach staff is looking to see what do you do this spring camp to impress us. And, you know, after spring camp, I think that's when you'll see some a handful of players at least go into the transfer portal because the coaching staff goes, I don't think it's going to be a great fit for you here. Uh, all right, let's go. We have another caller, uh, our buddy Dave from Iowa. Let's pull him up here. Dave, thanks for calling in again. How you doing, man? Hi, everybody. This is Dave from Iowa, long-time listener, long-time caller. First off, I just want to say, Ryan, I really think you should be trying to do live callers every, every time you do the live show, just because, in a sense, this is like the the Paul Feinbaum show west of the Mississippi, so I think that would be great. But going back to the but going to my question, new year, new team, new staff, same result when recruiting offensive linemen. Now this is a hot take. I'd like to hear what you guys' thoughts are. If Lincoln Riley and USC doesn't get at minimum five four star offensive linemen or greater, that's a fireable offense. Not so much for Lincoln Riley, but for the but for the offensive line coach. What do you guys think? All right, uh, Dave, thanks for that one. Um, appreciate you calling in. Fireable offense, Josh Connerly. If you don't get five four-star offensive linemen, you're out. In 2023? or uh, I think he's talking about the 2023 class, yeah. I don't think it's a fireable offense. Maybe a little hot. I don't, I don't think it's fireable. Tag. I don't think it's a fireable offense. I like the gusto with which he said it, but <laughs> I don't think you can uh, – I don't think you can fire someone that quickly because they didn't sign four four-star uh, uh, offensive linemen. The 2023 class is going to be a sizable one for the offensive line. Is that five to six? Maybe. I, I would say at minimum it's going to look like five. But they're in play for a lot of high-end uh, offensive line talent. So maybe we don't have to go, go all in and fire them straight away. But if you just look at the class first, you know, if they sign – you know, the number one offensive tackle in 2023, Francis Mauioga, who is from the area, you know, out right, out there at MIG. You know, you have Lucas Simmons, you know, Isaiah Robinson out of Texas. All these guys are high-level four-star guys. Guys are rising up the rankings. So I'm pretty confident that USC is going to sign at least three four-star guys in that, in that class, just the way they've been trying to recruit that 2023 cycle already. And, you know, Henson has proven to be a really good developer of talent. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need 
those three star guys. You're, they're not all going to be five star, four star guys as as much as you know you want them to be. All those those blue chip kind of guys. You need those guys in the program, but you need you know there are guys you you like that maybe aren't you know top two four seven guys. They're they're guys that are three star guys that just need a little bit more you know work. You know they have a great frame. You know yeah. they they need to put on more size. If they have a great frame and they move well. You know, you can put on 40 pounds on a guy. You know, he take him a red shirt. You know, the problem with USC is that all their guys were developmental guys, which isn't great. All of them. For, yeah. So it was, it was a problem of getting develop, developmental guys, but not, you know, finishing off the development the part. Yeah. So it was a really bad match. So you want to get, you know, a five-star guy and a couple four-star guys, but you also need to keep getting those three-star guys that you can build up. You know, a guy like Elijah Page, six foot six, two eighty, out of you know Arizona. He's a good looking dude. You know, the 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 Landon Hatchet, the 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 three star offensive center that both Henson and Riley offered while they were at Oklahoma and Texas A and M respectively. He's a three star guy, but you know that's a guy they really like. That's a guy they look on film and's like, you know, this is a guy that fits our system and this is a guy we want to build up. So. You know, you, you look for those three-star guys, you know, those those gems, if you will. You know, you can find them all over the country. You want to bring a couple of those guys in. So I'm not saying fireable fence for not getting four four-star guys. There will be four-star guys in the 23, 23 class. Do not worry about that. Um, but, you know, it's okay to take some three-stars now. Yeah. It's okay. The, the interesting thing about the 2023 recruiting class for offensive linemen, Chris said five, maybe even six, will be – that number could vary greatly depending on what USC can do in the transfer portal. Obviously, you saw today two Georgia former five-star offensive linemen go into the transfer portal, and that's the type of player that USC is going to be looking for. They'll be looking for those those uh, lower-level guys that have really produced already in their career, but they're also going to be looking for some guys that just haven't got their opportunity with with the team they're at. And obviously, Georgia had a you know a uh, a full barn of five-star offensive linemen, so you got a couple that go in the transfer portal. USC probably will be looking at that film if they haven't already done it today and we'll be reaching out to those guys if they feel like they, they can bring them in and you know, develop them here. All right. Uh, I think we're going to get into some questions. We have Facebook and YouTube. I'll be monitoring. I'm, we can pull up your YouTube ones up, uh, up on the screen. I think we have one now, Nicole. Yes, we have a Kyle Ford question. Brighton Diaz says, how is Kyle Ford doing? Do you think he's headed for a thousand yard season this year or will the decent depth at wide receiver keep numbers spread out a bit? So what do you guys think? My guy, Kyle Ford. <laughs> Got to talk to him this week. He looked yoked. You did it. Yo, oh, dropping that term that, already. Yeah, right? We got to get you a new term. To, <laughs> we're going to get you a new term during these questions at some point. He does look good. Uh, you know, he's my guy. I, you know, everyone knows. I usually you did a story have story on him, didn't you? Yeah, just story on him. Um, for sure, got to talk to him, and uh, I mean, he's another one that was kind of you know talking about. He thought there was going to be some opportunities for him on the field last year. You saw him uh, get off a little bit in the uh, the cow games. We got to see something uh, out of him then, which was great. Uh, but he's he's got uh, some high hopes for this. I don't think he's going to have a thousand yard season. Uh, I mean, it's unlikely he's going to be like the number one guy, but even the number one guy might not get that because uh, they're going to play eight, ten guys. So you're going to see a lot of dudes get like four or five hundred yards probably. Which, but if you have six guys doing that, that's pretty good. Yeah, he I, could be I, one of them. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't if I had to pick someone for a thousand yard season. I'm not picking Calford. No offense, no <laughs> offense to you uh, and your boy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it feels like it's going to be a lot more spread out with maybe the top guy being around that 700, 800 range. Yeah. Um, that's what it kind of feels like. So, you know, we'll see, but I, I have 
high expectations for Kyle Ford in this offense year one. Uh, so rooting for him because, you know, you know, he's been underutilized, obviously. Yeah. He's been, you know, healthy, according to him. The, he could have played a lot more last year. So looking forward to see what he does in 2022. Any thoughts, Sean? I'm expecting at least one and maybe two 1,000-yard receivers next year. Oh. Um, but Kyle Ford would not be at the top of my list of guys that I would expect to do that. Who's the top of your list? Mario Williams. Okay. Who's top of your second list? <laughs> uh, probably Brendan Rice. Mm, okay. I, I think Brendan Rice has a chance to break out and uh, heard some good things from Lincoln Riley about him this week as well, as well as his Colorado former Colorado teammate, Makai Blackman, is a guy that Lincoln Riley mentioned as probably their, their biggest playmaker so far this spring. Shotgun, take it or leave it, tight end with 400 yards. Ooh, that's a tough one, Chris. You, you always come up with some good take it or leave it's. I'm going to leave that oh, one, though. okay. I thought I got it. Wow. You thought he had to think about it. He had to think about it. A surprise take <laughs> it or leave it. We'll see. You know, you could, it depends on if we it, how diversified the attack is with the tight ends, if they're using three or four guys, if it's just one guy that basically takes over the starter's role and gets in there consistently, then I think there would be a better chance for that. Uh, All right. Well, we got a gold-plated question. Dan D says, if a player is gold-plated, does that guarantee spot, meaning will not be asked to enter the transfer portal, asking for Macaw Kroom? I think if if you're seeing a player get gold-plated, especially early in in, uh, spring camp, you know, I mentioned that there are some guys that are probably trying out for their spots. I don't think those are the guys that that will be – um, be getting asked to you know exit the program. So if you're getting gold plated, I think that means the coaching staff has been impressed with your work. Uh, Mike Kroom, I don't think is going anywhere. This guy is a seventh year senior. I honestly don't know how he's, he has eligibility remaining. He uh, you know he's played five years. This will be his fifth year playing. Uh, he missed a year with an injury. He was out another year. So not exactly sure how he's eligible. I've asked about this a couple times. No one has a, a direct answer, but you know. <laughs> He's a valuable guy because he is on almost every special team that USC had last year. So at the at the least, he's going to be on special teams for USC again this year. And that's a valuable asset to have. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Are you worried that you just ratted him out and no one knew he was a seventh-year player? <laughs> and you're now it's like we're not going to see him this week. USC, are, you, are you worried about that? USC actually has two seventh-year players. Can you, can you name the other one? Oh, damn it. Uh, Peely. No. Brendan Peely is a uh, is a fifth year, I want to say, or maybe sixth year. Solo, it would be the answer would be Mo Hassan. Oh, because to get to a seventh year for those who are unsure how that even happens, because it now there are six years because of COVID, everyone got that extra year of eligibility, and then if you redshirted, so you could be a sixth year player. Because normally in a normal cycle. The, as soon as you start your NCA clock, so basically you go in, you sign your paperwork saying that you're an NCA athlete, you sign that, and, and basically in the fall of your freshman year, you go in, they give you five years to complete four seasons. So that gives you the, the, the potential of redshirting. And, you know, if you get an injury and you have to sit out and miss a year, then you have an opportunity. But you can also petition the NCA for an extra year based on a medical redshirt. So if you miss a season because, you know, you're tearing it, like Brandon Peely towards Achilles last year in the spring, he could potentially petition for that if he had already used a, a, his red shirt previously. So that that's how that works. So, so there are now, because of COVID, there are some seventh-year guys actually this season. Crazy. Shotgun, we never got to answer the trivia for the snaps last week, so I want my guess at the end. All right. The defensive players, remember? 
I do remember. Okay, so I, I believe I answered that one, did I not? No, we did okay, not. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I didn't. We told us that we at the end of the show, and then it never happened. I found my my guesses in my drafts, and I was like, "What the heck is this?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> so I want my guesses." Our right. apologies. I will I'll mark it down in our doc to to bring it back up. Thank you. All right, guys, we got another question on defense sizing. Nate Corwin says, are you guys concerned about the sizing down of the defense? Other than Lee, it looks like we have safeties playing LB and LBs playing DL. What do you guys think? I mean, this is a speed D. Yeah. So you want that quickness out there. This isn't the SEC where everyone is six foot six and 390 or whatever yeah playing a running a four six playing linebacker or whatever and yeah it's not that so i think the speed is welcomed especially after how slow usc looked last year but again if it works people won't be complaining uh but you still need those big guys on the defensive line you still need that those uh those thumpers uh but if they're fast i think it it helps equal things out you know yeah i yeah. thought now, the interesting thing is a guy like Brandon Peely is a big old boy, but he moves really well. Mm -hmm. So he's a guy that he actually, you know, I talked to him this week, and he said he feels like he fits in this defense really well because of the aggressive mentality of it. You know, they don't want the, the defense of the nose tackles, the defense tackles, to just be eating up blocks and just standing there and, hey, we need you to take up two blocks so the linebacker can go make a play. They want those defensive tackles to be getting upfield, to be getting in the backfield and be aggressive and attacking. And they do a lot of different slants and stunts and different things like that. But a guy like Brandon Peely, who moves really well, even though he is the big big guy, you know, I, I think it fits him really well. So while you're seeing some of the guys they're recruiting are, are a little bit smaller in the size and bringing in a guy like Tyrone Tellini isn't you know a, a big strong guy, but he just doesn't have the same weight as as someone like Brandon Peely. But you're seeing the different types of guys they're uh, they're trying to attract. But you, when it comes down to it, you have to be able to to you know stop the run, and that'll be the big question: Can you stop the run? You know, if you go up against a team in the, in the playoff, you have to be able to to be able to go up against and, and stop the run in, against an SEC caliber team. All right, guys, this next question uh, hurts me a little bit. But oh, no. from Manford, do we have a chance in getting former Georgia players Amarius Mims and Clay Webb? I I think the early, uh, early our 247s, one of our 247 site out in Florida State is sort of reporting that it's going to be a Florida State-Miami battle for Mims specifically. Um, they have mentioned that USC, you know, they were told USC could get involved, so be on the lookout for that. So, you know, I think Lincoln Riley and them would obviously kick the tires on a five-star uh, offensive lineman getting getting yes. in the portal. So I, I would not be shocked about that. And as I just mentioned, they, our sister side is reporting, you know, look out for USC to sort of be involved there. Webb is sort of uh, a little bit more interesting because I recently just learned that he – is sort of caught up in a really bad off the field uh, lawsuit and I'm not going to like go into details of it because it is um pretty bad. Um so if you want to look what it is, you can. I don't want to repeat it on here. Uh so major potential off the field issues with a with a sort of bullying lawsuit uh leveled against him right now. So you know, that's sort of like might not be an untouchable kind Yeah, of might thing. be an untouchable kind of thing right now. So I wouldn't uh, look, I wouldn't sort of bank on Webb being sort of an option moving forward there. You know, obviously innocent to proven guilty, but it's not a good look 
you know, for someone going to the portal right now. So I would just be, you know, um, cognizant of that sort of. But Mims, yes, I would expect USC to be involved with, with him. He's from Florida, right? Is he originally I from Florida? I thought he was. I, I mean, he's a Georgia. He's a Georgia boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. But I thought he was at IMG. You know, all these big offensive linemen, they get me uh, sort of mixed up. But I, I don't have it right in front of me right now. But I think he was at IMG, but I'm not sure. Um, but he is from Georgia, naturally. Okay. Cool. All right. We got a Pac-12 question. Dave Rice asks, if USC left the Pac-12, how would scheduling work? And would fans be okay with no UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Oregon on the schedule? Yeah. So, I mean, we remember, if you, if you remember, we had Mike Bone on early on uh, on the Peristyle podcast. And I had asked him about, uh, hey, is it looking at going independent as something you would consider? And he said everything was on the table, sort of caused a bit of a stir. Uh, I think he gets along really well with George Klyavkov. I think they USC likes the direction that the Pac-12 is going, but there is going to be a significant revenue uh, shortfall when it comes to comparing a Pac-12 school to a Big Ten school or an SEC school. Uh, so I think USC still has to keep options open. If it's an independent kind of thing, I think the scheduling would work uh, maybe similar to what Notre Dame does in the ACC, where they play like half of an ACC schedule. If uh, I think a lot of Pac-12 teams would still want to play USC because they want to be able to recruit Southern California. Like part of the things that they fight for, you know, if you're Oregon State, is that you want to make sure you get your trips to California so your team can go down there and you can recruit uh, the most fertile recruiting ground uh, in our Pac-12 footprint. Uh, so I don't think. Even if schools were mad that USC left, I think, still think schools would want to schedule uh, USC. And if it was joining another conference, then obviously you're going to play that conference schedule and you know keep your Notre Dame rivalry. And maybe the UCLA one would be added to that too, uh, unless UCLA came too. So I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of uh, conference realignment stuff. You know, keep going. At, you know, involving the Pac-12, but that TV deal's coming up 2024. Uh, it's got to be lucrative for USC. I think Mike Bone wants to see something that uh, gets USC some benefits from this new television deal because they do wield a lot of the power, especially when you hire a superstar like Lincoln Riley, you get, you know, potential Heisman winner and Caleb Williams and all, and all that. So I think USC is in a really good position uh, and Mike Bone can kind of, you know, feel this out. But yeah, there's, I think there's some options out there that maybe USC won't be in the Pac-12 in a couple of years. I mean, the Texas-Oklahoma thing was huge. Could there be another huge thing where the Big Ten picks up USC and UCLA or something? I don't know. But uh, they, if there's something like that happening, I think USC has to be open to it because um, if they want to compete with the Alabamas and the Ohio States, I mean, the, the power schools in those two, like really power two conferences, not the power five. It's the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, you got to compete with them, and the, the revenue you're going to be making from your conference is not going to be anywhere close. So you might have to think out of the box a little bit, but we'll we'll think about it. Any, any thoughts from you guys? No cap. No cap. Shoddy. I love my I love the conference realignment stuff. It's pretty fun. No, uh, I don't see USC going to the Big Ten as has been thrown out there. Yeah, there's people talking about that. Um, Nicole, did you find any Facebook questions or did you pull up any? Yes, I did. So We want to give the Facebook people some love. Yes. Hit do. that like button, we, by we the will. way. You can smash it. You can <laughs> like it. Subscribe on our YouTube channel, Facebook. Uh, thanks for watching on Twitter. Hit likes. The little like things are fun. You can see little hearts pop up and stuff. So please do all that stuff. I'm still poking people. You poking them? <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, that's a throwback, poking people. Wow. Um, But yeah, there is an interesting question. I'm sure you guys have all been aware of the, you know, the fight on emoji was a big thing for a while from Lincoln Riley. And Johnny Causing had a question. Coach Lincoln Riley recently tweeted the fight on emoji. What are your predictions regarding which player he is mysteriously referring to as that kaboom? Ah, yes. The fight on emojis. Uh, This would be up Chris's uh, alley because I don't even know which all players... Came this weekend, uh, you know, USC has been bringing in a ton of recruits during the spring. Uh, we've seen some of them at practice. We've seen, you know, just how many guys are, you know, getting DMs and stuff from people telling us, hey, I'm coming up to USC to check everything out. And another big weekend for USC, bringing recruits on campus. And also you had a ton of coaches, the local coaches, because they had a coaches clinic. So now they get to go back and tell their players, you know, what they think of, of the USC program as well. Uh, I got, let me put up another question here. Do you have any thoughts on that one, Chris? I thought I was going to be able to slide out from under that (laughs) one. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to give names because I don't want to give names unless I'm sure. Even if I was sure, I wouldn't want to give the name out. Right. But I believe it is a defensive player. That's what sort of my heard about a defensive player. Um, it could either be a, a high school guy or you know there's been some smoke about a a particular transfer so um i would say defensive player would be my gut guess sort of deal mm. and i'm sure we're going to talk about it more on the composite i'm just plugging my podcast yeah that's, that's the only reason why i'm here that's the only reason why i'm here i'm just to plug the two-star composite which is interesting because you saw kyle mcdonald the the running backs coach also throw up a fight on emoji so you know mm-hmm. you wondered hey what is it a running back also a good running back. They've had uh, Roderick Robinson on campus multiple times yeah. this month. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. They recently did not make the top five for a big Florida running back they were recruiting. Big recruit, big running back. They need a big running back. Mm-hmm. Have they already filled their spot for the big running back? Maybe. A what type of running back? Big. Yoked. No. Yes, A yoked Ryan. running yes. back. <laughs> yeah. And Roger Robertson is yoked, so is that yoked. is that is a good a deduction as well. I cut his highlight video up. Yeah, who's from uh, the Under Armour camp? He is yoked. And next up, we got a portal question. SC Slot Guy says, "Are these highly rated players entering the transfer portal to sign NIL deals, or are they not cutting it at their current program?" What do you guys think? It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes guys are looking for their opportunity um, elsewhere. And, you know, some are just looking for playing time. It's, if you see someone who has a ton of playing time and they enter the portal, that's where you can become a little bit more concerned that it's about NIL or it's about something else. Um, you know, someone like Jermaine Burton at Georgia was getting a ton of playing time and decides to transfer and go to Alabama where he'll get to reunite with Bryce Young, who played on the same seven on seven team out here in California. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's different things, but when you see someone who's got a lot of playing time, that tells you it's, there's something else, uh, you know, usually is the motivating factor there versus if they are not playing at all, they're not cutting it at the other program and think they, you know, should be getting a better opportunity. I feel like I'm talking more than chocolate on the show, and I don't like it. And I don't like it one bit. I don't like it. That's all I have to say. All right. That's, That's all, all you got. Say. That's all you got. All right. Well, I got another question. Um, Facebook, Brandon Yamamoto said, what player are you surprised that doesn't have the gold plate yet? Speaking on the gold plate theme. That's tough just because I don't know. You don't know everybody. It. Right. Like – 
straight up, like Nick Figueroa is someone I, I would expect to have the gold plate, but I was like, I can't see his gold plate or his <laughs> helmet. So it's it's a uh, Schrodinger's cat. Yes. They all have the plate or they don't have the plate. I don't know until yeah. I look. So it's 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 stuck between who has it or who doesn't. Um, just off the top of my head, I I would guess like if you asked me this a week ago, probably Caleb Williams or the quarterback, uh, or the quarterbacks in general. But obviously, Caleb got gold plated recently. Right. Um, you thought that would be the first one. Or something. Yeah. If offensive line doesn't have any, you know, I would say you know maybe a guy like Justin Dietrich, who does a lot of work in the weight room. Andrew Voorhees, a guy who leads by example a lot. So if none of the offensive line have it, I would say an offensive lineman, at least kind of the top guys or the older guys, like a Brett Nealon or Voorhees or a Dietrich kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the games that the names that came to my mind there are all guys at positions where. You know, we just can't tell. You know, Shane Lee or uh, Tuli Tuli Pelotu, you know, are on the offensive side, Troy Dye, Austin Jones, those guys. Uh, you you think about the, the leadership aspect from those type of older players, but we just can't see. There's only a few positions, actually, you know, the, the outside skill positions that you can actually see the helmets. Shane Lee does have his decal. Oh, that's good. He is gold-plated. Uh, Mr. FL, he said Viani went to Centennial, by the way. Yeah, I said Viani. It's, uh, I met Lenny Vandermaid. I don't know I mix those guys up sometimes. So Lenny's the V's. Yeah, the V's got you. The Vandermaid and the Vianis. But yeah, Lenny Vandermaid was the modern day, I believe. Yeah, modern yep, day. Yep. And then uh, he's on Which staff. I didn't know. Yeah. So, sorry. Sorry. Thank you for Mr. FL for pointing that out. Um, another question. We, we're at the top of the hour. We got a lot of viewers. We, we have a bunch of I'm viewers. Little, I'm a little intimidated. Thank you. Everyone. I don't want. I, I keep looking over. I don't want to look. There's a lot of viewers, which was great. We love uh, the fact that you're on there, uh, watching live, or if you're watching the the replay of it, uh, or even the podcast. There's still like a million questions in this doc. It feels like we haven't done. Yeah, any. we should probably rapid fire some of these. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Rapid fire. Yeah. I like that. Um, Shadi, you want to do some rapid fire stuff, sure. or how do you want to do? I this? mean, let's start with the overarching question. A lot of people have asked: Is can you give insight as to why Carly ultimately chose Oregon over USC? Uh, that's a good question. Chris, is what's he looking you? at me? I don't. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I. Uh, this is so tough on a on a live show. Yeah. Um, it's so tough to sort of kind of navigate something that sort of. You know, it's still sort of fresh. You know, it's like 48 hours ago. And, you know, you know, we still have to do a little bit more of a postmortem officially, um, which we will do on my podcast. Um, but, you know, just this off the top, I mean, I think there's a, a multitude of factors. You know, obviously, it's a little bit closer to home. But I don't really believe that would be sort of the end-all, be-all for that. And, you know... You know, it kind of feels more like sort of an NIL deal where it kind of feel like that sort of was the deciding factor that kind of pushed it over the top. And, you know, that's perfectly fine. I mean, that's how it is nowadays. And, you know, maybe that's sort of why Lincoln Riley was speaking, you know, gave such strong opinions about the NIL on, you know, Saturday. Um, that's sort of how that those two were like interrelated, you know, with you know, kind of losing out on Colin Connerly on Friday and sort of kind of the frustrations of NIL and how it's, you know, affected recruiting. You know, I, I can't say that for sure, but that they kind of seem like they're related. So I think you can kind of read between those lines. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think sort of, 
I haven't been able to fully kind of dive into and, you know, hit people up and kind of do a full deep dive on that. Um, so I don't want to say anything that, you know, that's wrong or, you know, anything like that. You know, I know everyone's watching me right now. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I just, I don't feel comfortable really answering that fully right now. Um, you know, I'm going to talk to Gerard about it. We're going to do a podcast where that will be the focus of the show, primarily kind of going through that and kind of once we have more time to, to think about it and talk about it between us. But, you know, I think it was just sort of, you know, an NIL sort of kind of swayed this one in the end. Um, you know, that's kind of what it felt like when, you know, you get that last visit, you get that that last unofficial out of nowhere sort of to push it over the top. And, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... This is anti-rapid fire, so... Chris, you 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 asked me for Chris. You could have answered this in about a sentence. You you think it's probably an nil is what pushed them over the top. And if you want the full breakdown, you can check out the two star composite podcast. That's not that good was, enough. That was the rapid fire that's answer. Got a, that's good enough. That's not good enough. This is I can't great. Talk. Chris doesn't want to talk, and then he has a but it's like a lot. Right, the cameras on me, and now like it's again. like. Yeah. <laughs> It's like everyone wants an answer, and I want to give them an answer, and I don't want to just say something BSy like listen to my podcast, which listen to my podcast. But it's like they want to know why, and I can't give them the All right, why. Chris, right. next question. Now that All right, I'm now not that USC anymore. is not getting Connerly, do you think Cortland Ford can develop into a good player? Yes. Move on. I think he's really taken some steps forward from what I've been hearing from some other players and whatnot around the program. So, yes, I think Cortland Ford, and I think he's a guy that could be a potential cornerstone player for them on the offensive line going forward when they have to move on from the, the older guys that are on the roster right now. Yeah, and shout out, hey, we got a we got one more live call. I'm going to squeeze that oh, in. Oh, go we'll, for we'll, it. Yeah, so uh, we got Dr. K. Uh, we're going to welcome him into the show. Dr. K, how are you? Hi. Hi, doing great. It's been a while since I've been on. Um, I've really enjoyed Lincoln Riley's uh, Saturday morning media conferences, press conferences. I believe it was this last Saturday. He had a question and he, about five-star athletes. And the way he answered it, I thought, was brilliant in the fact that if you're a five-star in high school, it doesn't mean you're a five-star when you get to college. Um, my question is, I would be interested in finding out whether it's just within USC or all schools or whatever. What is the percentage of five-star athletes that come out of high school that actually, you know, make it, actually uh, stay with the team, graduate, go to the NFL, and are the ones just, you know, just don't, you know, make it. And, and before you answer that, a big shout-out to all of you for your writing. Uh, really enjoyed um, – uh, all the reporting that you've done, and it, it's just fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And a big shout-out to Shotgun for covering uh, basketball. And thanks for your fantastic reporting. Uh, again, all the instant analysis that you're doing, we've really, really enjoyed it. So I'll hang up and wait to hear uh, your answer about these five-star athletes. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dr. K. That was really nice. That Appreciate really that. Nice. Yeah. Appreciate that very much. Um, yeah, the, uh, the I think the hit rate on five stars, and you want to define what success is, but it's, uh, you know, making it to the NFL. I, th I think the 24-7 hit rate, you only put like 32 five stars every year. It's pretty high. Like there's not a lot of five stars that don't do anything. 
Uh, but it happens sometimes. I don't, do you guys know like what the rate? I mean, it's probably. I mean, the the rate is so much greater for five stars versus four stars versus three stars. Um, you, we know that. That's what the statistics tell us uh, that you know have been compiled over years. The exact number, I don't know. You know, there's generally just off the top of my head, I feel like it's. If I were to guess, I'd feel like like sixty percent of five stars each year have productive college careers. Some guys fall off. Some guys just don't live up to the five-star billing, but at least 60% are, you know, are pretty much dudes for the, for the, the organization they're with. And if you're in the top five or top 10, usually those are the, you know, those are the can't miss prospects. And that's why they're in the top five, top 10. Now, occasionally some, there are busts, but the majority, the vast majority of those guys end up being, you know, significant contributors for their, their college program. I found a quick study that track down the percentage of five-star recruits that make it to NFL, which is, you know, not the end-all be-all success, but it is a metric for success. And between 2000 and 2000 and 2014, um, about 53% of five-stars were drafted in the NFL. That's pretty good. Uh, and you know, if you're like a three-year starter in college and you're a five-star, like that's, I would say, okay, even if you don't make it as an NFL player, I mean, you're, you, you came in as a five-star, you started for a few years in college, you're productive, I think that'd be a hit. Which I think that's pretty high. Uh, all right, Shadi, you want to go back to our rapid fire? Jumping back in. And Chris, we're going to go right back to you just no. because of this. Um, I wasn't going to ask this question, but because of your last answer, you've got to get another one. Redemption time, Chris. Eddie Reyna wants to know, how many more DMV transfers will Chris bring in? Maybe a few from West Virginia, too. Three. Three more transfers. All right, Chris. Uh, I don't know what that's supposed Me to mean. Me but... personally. You're involved <laughs> in three. this recruitment. We're reporters. We're not supposed to be involved. That's in a recruitment. violation. Yes. This one also for Chris. This is, this is the order they're in, Chris. I'm just saying. Roman wants to know, CT, you have mentioned Mason Murphy in the past. The coaches talked him up last week. You think he has a chance to be good. I think he has a chance to be really great. And Josh Henson seems to think he has a chance to be really great as well. You know, he has that elite size and... He has the athleticism to play on that that offensive line and be a good player on the edge. I think he needs maybe a little bit more time for, you know, he challenges for a kind of a starting role. But I would expect him to be in the rotation on that too deep and get playing time this year. So I think he has a chance to be really good. Chris Malloy want to know, have you heard anything about Chris Thompson Jr.'s progress at linebacker? It's been awfully quiet. Ryan, you were in the Brian Odom scum, scrum. Uh, any chance uh, that you heard anything about Chris Thompson? No, I don't think he was brought up specifically. Um, but it'll be interesting to kind of watch, especially in the spring game, like what they ask him to do. You know, we talked about this being more of a speed defense. Obviously, he's a safety kind of putting, you know, trying to put on some weight and, and work there at linebacker. We try to talk this week about it, but I don't... I don't recall anyone asking that question uh, in that scrum. Yeah, there was a lot of Rajon Davis, Shane Lee conversations. Yeah. Didn't get to Chris Thompson on that one. He was a guy I did want to ask about, didn't get a chance to. Uh, go ahead. No, I would just say Thompson had seemed to be playing sort of that second team will linebacker spot early. And so if Rajon is coming on, that would probably mean that Rajon is maybe stealing more reps at the second team at the very least. You know, Shane and Raylan have been the two most consistent and they seem to be locked in right now of those top two spots. So I wouldn't be surprised if Davis is making a push to sort of unseat Thompson, who was, as I said, working with that second team in the first week. Um, and Grinch had, meant, Grinch had mentioned that this is sort of a time where you can kind of throw a guy at a different position just because you're weak on bodies or low on bodies. So 
it's not expect it, it might not be permanent, but this is something they're playing with in spring. So he could very easily be a, a, a safety back in the summer fall. So yeah, we'll have to get more on that um, this week, this this coming week. Roman wanted to know how does NIL or Nike NILs, he put it, change how you guys make predictions on recruits as far as crystal balls. I mean, as the only person here who makes crystal balls. Yeah, I don't do crystal balls. Should I do it those? Makes my jo- no, it makes my job harder. Um, and it really, I just want to get over 80% again on my all time. And the Friday did not help. But, you know, it, it definitely is another thing you have to factor in and kind of think about. But like I said, if USC starts winning again, I think it's a lot easier to sort of um, overcome that, that sort of NIL uh question on the table and then you know usc has their nil thing coming with you know sam baker and his in his roundabout of uh former players so that's something else to kind of consider um there's a nicole if you want to put this one up oh yeah uh, mark yeah i had a comment i want to comment on this one Oh, yes. Mark says, Mark Manalo says, 53% is not great considering the sample size for five stars is only about 32 players a year. That's a failing grade. Okay. <laughs> it's completely wrong. Sorry, Mark. Okay, so people don't understand, like, when you're talking about, oh, look, the Super Bowl MVP was a three-star or whatever it is. Yes, that stuff happens. There are – we've done the stars matter thing a lot. If half of the players – so these are guys who are getting five-star ratings when they're, like, 17 years old – and more than half of them end up playing, getting drafted by the NFL, that's pretty darn good. Like, that's a lot. I mean, that doesn't even count guys that could have started for, three, like we said, started for three years and just wasn't, uh, they didn't get drafted. They might sign as a unrestricted, you know, a free agent or whatever, too. So, undrafted free agent. Um, that's a high, high hit rate if you're just going to take a random group of high school players that you say, hey, these guys are good. And more than half of them are drafted in the NFL, which is pretty rare. So I don't think 53% is a failing grade. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Modern Day or Bosco and all the, the talent they have on those teams. Those teams have 100 players, and you're saying that 16 players or 17 players every year of those five-star guys go. And it, think about how many players on Modern Day or Bosco make it to the NFL. There's not that many. Right. So, yeah, the, the sample size is very small um, or the selection size is very small in those five stars. So if 16 or 17 of them make it to the NFL, it's still, still significant. According to this article by Banner Society, I don't know what sort of uh, experimental minds they have over there, but – it calculated to, you have a three in five chance of being drafted as a five star, a four, uh, one in five chance of being drafted as a four star, and a one in eighteen chance of being drafted as a three star. Okay, so it just, it shows that the, those guys ranked the highest have the best chance of going, uh, getting drafted. So, uh, thanks though, Mark, for the comment. Uh, back to our, our questions here. Staying on NIL, Martin wanted to know, how about changing the NIL by disallowing any payment packages until after the first or second year that he believes that would help eliminate the recruiting crap to an extent, uh, in his uh, opinion of it? Do you think uh, some changes to the NIL, what are the, what's the possibility of those happening? And do you think that that in particular change would, would make an impact? So right now, you can... Either people are getting promised stuff for every year they're in school. So uh, I don't, I mean, we're already seeing that happening where they're just like, oh, yeah, so your freshman year, you get this, your sophomore year, you get that. Um, I, you know, it'd be the same thing. It's like, okay, well, we can't give you stuff your freshman year or you can't get stuff freshman year, uh, but you can your sophomore year. I mean, so they'll just like, so you'll get your million dollars then. 
I don't know if that's going to be helpful. They need some guidelines. They need some some more rules and and to figure some stuff out because it's going to get it's going to get crazy. Uh, it is the wild wild west. So I, I'm curious to see what they do. I don't know if that would be a particularly good solution though. Charles want to know any word on Ajayi Hall from Alabama, the wide receiver that went into the transfer portal. I haven't necessarily heard anything um, on that one, but he was basically kicked off the team for uh, violation of team rules. So you would have to do your research on that and find out what exactly was going on there before you would show interest in, in someone like that in the transfer portal. Yeah. Roman want to know any details in the running back battle. Have you guys heard of anything uh, so far? Austin Jones, uh, you know, any of those guys that are really standing out, Troy Dye? Uh, Travis Dye. I was the yeah. two brothers. I get them mixed up still. <laughs> And there's only three scholarship guys right now, and they all have been good. So I, I don't think there's going to be like, oh, he's the starter, like, you know, in the middle of spring or something. But uh, you would have to think Travis Dye is the leader in the clubhouse. Just he's very versatile. We've heard about his versatility, what he can do. Uh, I think blocking is really important. Um, and, you know, for, you know, this this offense, and, we, you know, even Kyle Ford talked about, hey, there's more. We're asked to do a lot more on the blocking side, and he loved that because he's a bigger guy. All those guys seem to like blocking too, so I think that's a big part of what they have to do. Like we talked to Kyle McDonald about, it. he's like, "Yeah, blocking. They got to block, block, block." Um, so yeah, I think uh, I, I wouldn't say you know it's like a bat. Like there's only three guys. Like they're all going to be playing around and stuff. Uh, but I, I would guess Travis Dye is probably going to end up starting. I don't know if you guys. That'd probably be my guess too. Yeah. Uh, Greg wanted to know: Did you trust Clay McGuire? And I would say yes. Uh, he helped. Yeah the offensive line learn how to play hard all the time. And that was a big thing. You know, their technique wasn't always the, the best. You know, they were able to make some mistakes, but they overcame it by playing really hard. And that's why you saw them really successful at the very end of the season uh, and producing some really good pro football focus numbers and getting a lot of accolade from, from the coaching staff as well. Yeah. Do we know what the base formation this year will be on the defensive side? Jacob Reddick asked, will it be a 3-3-5? I have been trying, I've been requesting a sit down with Alex Grinch to try to kind of break the, this down and try to find it out. Hopefully that's going to happen while I'm here in LA and we'll, if, if possible, then get you guys some more information on that just to kind of find out the defensive philosophies and what he wants to do and, you know, what he's trying to be looking to do. But I don't know if you guys have heard anything about necessarily what will likely be the base formation. I mean, there's going to be five DBs. Uh, it depends, you know, with the front, I think you can do some different things. And uh, I think it was Alex Grinch talked about. Uh, that they, you know, they just want to put the five best defensive backs out on the field. If it's five safeties, if, you know, they're, everyone's kind of cross-training, especially the two safety spots are interchangeable from what he was saying. Uh, but, you know, it, their nickel guy could be coming from safety, it could be a corner, wherever it is. But they just want to get the five best players out there. Similar to what they were talking about with the offensive line. Um, just get the five be best guys out there. So it seems like that's what they're doing in the secondary. We will see five DBs. I'm not sure if it's like a, you know, 3-3 three, three kind of thing up front of that. So hopefully Shaq can talk to uh, Alex Grinch and get some more information on that. Yeah, and, and of those five DBs, Makai Blackman is a likely one and Max Williams is likely one from the early spring results. So yeah. the other three spots still up in the air there, especially at the cornerback spots, who's going to step in with Isaac Taylor Stewart and Chris Steele gone to the, the NFL draft. Yeah, uh, Moose asked me, he wanted to hear what my thoughts were on the D-line. And I thought that they moved really well. You know, some of the guys, I think they're still getting their stamina up. There was some of the drills that Sean Newell was putting them through that were kind of endurance drills, you know, going through different bag drills and, you know, having to go back and forth multiple times uh, doing different things over the bags. So, you know, so, some of the guys that, 
you know, we're down on the, the depth chart, got to get their endurance up, got to get their conditioning up to be able to, to keep up with some of those older guys that, that they're bringing in or else they're going to fall farther and farther behind and might be some of the guys that they asked to, to lead the program. Yeah. Mark wanted to know, do you really think Lincoln Riley will bring back Brew McCoy? No. No. He said straight up he's going to transfer. Yeah, he was asked about that on. Yes, I think he, I think his wording was, as far as I know, he's still transferring or something like that, or he's 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 going to transfer because he's been in the portal. Uh, so that makes it sound like there hasn't been much conversation there with Brew McCoy uh, recently to try to get him to come back or anything. Yeah, Roman, two uh, four-star Oregon offensive linemen have hit the portal recently. Do you think USC will try to go after either of them? I know Jalen Jeffers, I believe he was being recruited by Oklahoma as well out of Saguaro uh, High School in uh, the Phoenix area, and USC was on him uh, early. I remember talking to him at Saguaro High School, so maybe that's a guy to look at. But again, all these guys that are in the transfer portal, it's all about, okay, let's look at your tape, what you've done in practice, and the, the players can send those clips to the coaching staff and then try to evaluate them from there. Let's do a couple more shots. Kind of We're almost that. done. we got okay. just a couple. Um Nate wanted to know what was the percent of five-star recruits under Clay Helton that made the NFL versus the total 53%? Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to look that up. But What do you guys think, higher or lower? Oh, lower. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably lower. Like, I mean, yeah, Take like a... the under. Like Tyler Vaughn's, like he was a five-star. He didn't get uh, drafted. There's uh, There were some guys that didn't. Did uh, make it to the NFL, so. Yeah. Uh, and there were, some of them were injuries, some of the different things, but yeah, not necessarily lived up to that number. Debo, who's the athlete or athletes you guys have been surprisingly impressed with during spring? It's hard to answer just because we only get to see 20 minutes. It's basically stretching in individual periods. Uh, but anybody who's standing out to you that, that's surprised you? I mean, just looking like it's more about what they kind of look like. And, you know, we mentioned the SEC guys coming, Romello Height and uh, Shane Lee. I mean, it's just like the fact that they could change the game like that where you have a Rajon Davis looking at him going, wow. Uh, okay, we could be that way. Um, so I think those guys have kind of set the bar uh, a little bit. And, you know, I, Mario Williams, just from listening to him, uh, you know, get to watch him, some of the catches he makes and stuff in practice. Uh, I just think he's going to be someone that's going to really shine in this offense too. We've had a couple of questions about the Georgia offensive lineman that went in there. You guys can watch the – Watch the re uh, the rewatch of this. Uh, we talked about them a little bit earlier. Yes, USC may go after Marius Mims. Webb, different different story there. There's a lawsuit. I uh, don't know if USC will get involved there. Uh, Mr. FL, he's unconvinced that Grinch's defense will be any different than it was at Oklahoma. Is there anything you guys have been able to glean that would would change anybody's mind there? I mean, I think it's tough. To, like, I get he gets a lot of flack or there's there's criticism there, which is fine. But when you have a an offense that's super prolific, it's hard to have. Great defense. I mean, are you going to complain about Nick Saban's defenses giving up a whole bunch of points? I mean, when you're scoring a whole bunch of points, like there's going to be times where you're just giving up points too. Um, so I don't, I don't have a, a lot of concern there. I, I, I kind of like what he's bringing to the table. We'll see. We'll see how effective it is. But uh, I don't think you can judge it the same when your offense is just scoring time after time after time. It's tough to put the defense out there like that every time. And last question from Carlos. He said, what are your thoughts on Sierra Wright's comment or the comments from Dante Williams about Sierra Wright. I believe you were in that scrum, Ryan. I was. Yeah. So Sierra Wright, um, I think, so it was a question about him and, you know, he was a highly rated player, four star. And uh, Dante Williams was, you know, kind of abrupt, I guess, about the, the answer, just sort of like matter of fact about he's got a, you know, his biggest problem is himself, uh, Sierra's problem. Uh, 
He said, I, for all I know, he's doing Space Jam 3. Seemed like there's a little bit of a disconnect there from what's going on. Um, so that's definitely going to be someone to watch. But that just might be Dante Williams' way of lighting a fire under him. Saying, you know, everyone, the culture is changing for everyone. And if you're not working hard, I think you're going to stand out. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's not. I don't know. But it didn't sound like he was. You know, like, sounds like there were some issues there from what Dante Williams was saying. So I'm curious to see you know, where that goes from here. But it, it didn't seem like Dante was all that happy with uh, the kind of effort that C.R. Wright was putting in. That's interesting just because when, I believe is when you had him on for Lunch with a Trojan and he kind of yeah. talked about all his DB signings. He was so high on C.R. I mean, a lot of people were, obviously he was a top 100 signee out of uh, Loyola. And he kind of said his expectations were for him to play as a true freshman. And sort of, that's sort of, on him, him being Dante to sort of get him to that point um, to be on the field as a first-year contributor. So, interesting comment. Uh, yeah, the fact that if you if he did say that, I don't, I don't remember that specifically, but uh, I'm not questioning that he did. But that's sort of a thing where he put a lot of stock into. It. He wanted Sierra Wright to be uh, playing like as a freshman, and if something wasn't working or something wasn't something wasn't going right uh i think he might it sounds like dante williams was taking some of the stuff a little personally because he maybe put a bunch of effort into it and it wasn't coming out so uh we'll see you know kind of follow his uh you know his journey through the rest of spring football and see where he's lined up in uh for the spring game and all that and how much he plays and what kind of effort we see that he'll be he'll be someone you guys are going to watch and sierra writes it's interesting he played 14 snaps in the opener he played 12 snaps on defense against Washington State. That's also when Dante Williams transitioned to being the interim head coach. Didn't see him again after that. So it makes you wonder, you know, with Dante not being directly, you know, coaching him at that moment, is something changed there in the dynamic? And that's why, you know, he wasn't able to get on the field uh, later in the season um, and only played two games when, you know, you have the red shirt, you can play up to four. So that was kind of an interesting one. Wasn't dressed at the end of the season either. Uh, John Lobb was really screaming on Facebook, will Caleb Williams be going under center in certain situations? Well, go back and look at Oklahoma last year, and yes, the center, the quarterback did go under center, under center at times. And yeah. our final thing. Yes. More than 3,000 total career snaps. I asked this last week, Chris. Thanks for reminding me. I forgot about it at the end of the show yesterday, or last week, I mean. There were two players so far since I have been tracking every, stat, every snap that USC plays since 2015. Um, there are two players, and they're both on the defensive side, that have played three three thousand or more snaps in their career. Wow! Uh, I've had a whole week to cheat. Okay. <laughs> and I just want to go on record to say I haven't cheated. Shot? No, cheated. <laughs> Try to shot. say shot. Shot. Saying caught, but I would guess my first one is Cam Smith. That is correct. Cam Smith is the, mo is the second most at 3,029 total snaps in his career, including over 1,000 snaps in the 2017 season. Wow. Uh, so you got to do the other one. You got to do it. Chris Hawkins? That's incorrect. Four-year starter. Nicole, do you want to take uh, a guess? Mm, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to just sit this one out because I don't want to be wrong. Can can, can, is it a defensive back? It is a defensive back. Is it? <laughs> is it Leon McQuay? Incorrect. That wasn't my guess. Is it a Dory? 
It was uh, not a Dory uh, Jackson. He was only there three years. That's that's the difference there. Four year starter at cornerback, number Biggie one corner Marshall. in the nation. Yeah. Iman Marshall played three thousand two hundred and forty seven snaps. Yeah. He played at least six hundred and seventy nine each of his four seasons, topping out at nine hundred in his final season. Nice. I just want to say I had Cameron Smith, Dory Jackson, Iman Marshall all written down. I just want to say that. Very <laughs> nice. And I should have gone Impressive. with Biggie. I should have gone with Biggie. Yeah. Nice one. I know uh, too much useless information. There's a lot. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up here uh, on Tunnel Vision. Had a fun show. Uh, thank you guys for all uh, tuning in. Uh, it was great to have Shotgun here, even though he's in the other room. Banished. Uh, Nicole <laughs> doing a great job running the board and everything again. Thank you. And Chris, who doesn't want to talk, talked a whole bunch. So that's kind of the way it goes here on Tunnel Vision. <laughs> but uh, thank you all for uh, tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for the live calls, all the, the uh, tweets and all the, the questions and the comments and all of that. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend. I know there's not much left of it. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday recapping week four of USC Spring Football. But thanks again for tuning in.